All right, how we doing? Wonderful, good response. Saturday night, job well done. South Campus, how you guys doing? Good response, that's awesome. Um, this is it, you guys. This is the last full week of June, the last full weekend before kind of summer vacation hits. School is done. Next weekend is July. It's crazy. So we're here. We're here. We really did this. And so um, before we really kind of get underway tonight with, with an official sermon, I do want to take a few minutes to talk about a few things as we head into a busy summer season, as people hit up the cottages and vacations and all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to just update you guys on a few things that are going on here at the life of the church. Uh, we had our annual meeting just two or three weeks ago, and it was really good. And we talk about some really good, important stuff at that, and we have some really good updates, uh, but then we don't ever tell you about it. So if you weren't there, you don't know. So you should probably know what's going on at the life of your church, right? And so we want to take a few minutes to update you guys on just some normal church life things that are important to talk about. Uh, if you're new, if you're visiting, just welcome as we just talk about a church that you don't go to yet. Maybe you will. I don't know. So uh, here's, here's a five or ten minutes, a, a peek into the life of Crosspoint. Um, so at the annual meeting, we, we talked about some things that we have celebrated this past year. Uh, so let's get numerical for statistical nerds. Um, uh, this past year, we averaged 530 people for our weekly attendance as a church. And so that's fun. That's up from the year before. But it's kind of a funny number because if you're here and you're looking around, you might see the same 80 to 120 people that you see every single week. Correct? I mean, some people kind of jump around and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it doesn't really feel like you go to a church of over 500 people. And, and so in some ways, that's really good because you get a small church feel, because you mainly go to church with the same people every week and every service, and you get to know those people, hopefully, and build relationships with those people. Uh, and so that's really good. Uh, on the other hand, when you do four services at two different locations, it means you go to church with a lot of people that you don't know. You are a part of a church with people that you have never seen. And that's it's neat, but it's a little weird too, isn't it? And, and so that's one thing that we wrestle with as a church. Obviously, our long-term solution as a church is that we own a piece of land on Cliff Street. And hopefully someday we will have a new building on that land that will be able to hold a lot more of us at one time and a lot more parking and a lot more washrooms and a lot more space for kids' ministry and all of the things that kind of necessitate being across multiple services. Uh, we're hoping to remedy that someday um, that being said, unless someone wants to drop a few million on us this week, that's still a little ways out. Throw that out there just in case. Um, so what we try and do between now and then is figure out better ways to help our church make good, authentic connections with one another. Right? And so that's something that we're really working towards this year, some stuff that we'd really like to see in our church this year. Uh, we also celebrated this past church year that 37 people gave their lives to Jesus. That's awesome. We celebrate every one of those. 25 people made the decision to get baptized and publicly declare their faith, and, and that is awesome, and we celebrate all of that. Uh, those, uh, God help us never just make those statistics that we share at an annual meeting. Those are real people, real souls, real families, real relationships who had a real encounter with Jesus, and God is doing things in their life. 
And so we celebrate that. That's a huge part of why we do what we do, and that's awesome. So we had a lot of good things happen this year, and we celebrate that. Uh, some other stuff that we talked about, uh, we approved a new budget for the year. I know, it's everyone's favorite. Let's talk about budgets. Woo! Um, our, our church, uh, we approved a budget of $628,000. Uh, now, for some of you, that is normal because you were at the annual meeting. You kind of think about this kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I think this kind of stuff often surprises people who forget that this doesn't just magically happen. They're like, oh, yeah, budgets, money, things. Uh, so that's, that's what it takes to run this place. And we depend on our people to faithfully give their tithes and their offerings so that we can do what it is that we do. Without people that give tithes and offerings, uh, we don't celebrate all the things that we got to celebrate this past year. And we don't have time to unpack a tithing sermon right now, um, but if we did, I would say this. Uh, when you tithe, just a reminder, you don't tithe to Crosspoint. You tithe to God. Right? When we ask you to give your tithes and your offerings, it, you're not really giving it to us. You're, it's an act of worship to God. It's an act between you and him where you're honoring him. You don't tithe to pay the power bill. You tithe to worship God. Amen? That's why we, we do it because we believe that it's scriptural, biblical, that it's good, that there is a blessing in it, and that God honors that. But it just so happens that, that God's plan for the local church is that when people do tithe and give their offerings, you actually do help operate a local church, and, and you help make all of this happen. And so we get to run a church, we get to pay staff, we get to do ministry, we get to reach our city, we get to go all over the planet and do what it is we do because people tithe. So you don't tithe to pay the power bill, but when you tithe, you're also paying a power bill. It's a win-win. Does that make sense? And so when we talk about tithing, we always like to remind you that, that when we talk about giving, when we talk about the offering, it's not that we want something from you, it's that we want something for you. Because we believe that there is a biblical blessing from God that he honors when his people give to him, when they trust in him, when they're obedient to him. And so that is, that is why we talk about money. Um, so all that to say this, uh, it, it's important that you give. We only get to do this because people give. Uh, last year, our undesignated giving was about 625000 so our budget for this year is pretty much in line with what people gave this past year. Uh, I will say that we spent more than what came in, so we kind of missed budget in that way, but that's not super common for us. We're usually kind of right on there. Uh, so let me break down the math for you, because sometimes you hear a big number and you're like, I don't have any idea what that means. $628,000 for the year means that we need a little over $12,000 every week. So when we do the offering time in church, when the buckets get passed, offering boxes on the walls, debit machine, e-transfers, all that kind of stuff, we need about $12,000 every week so that this place can stay on budget. How many of you remember the old school bulletin that used to say like year-to-date budget and actual, and you could actually see how the church was doing? Uh, that was super helpful actually. And so we probably don't talk about this enough. If you're thinking it's weird that you're talking about this right now, it's weird that we don't probably talk about it. And so that's just so you guys know, that's what it takes week to week to week to week. Uh, it's about $12,000. And so um, huge, huge thanks to everyone who gives faithfully to Crosspoint. Massive thanks. Um, it's, it's just a huge blessing, and we're grateful for that. It's also really important that you continue to give all summer long. Yes and amen? Anyone on the finance team here? Woo! All right, good. Um, because that 12000 a week needs to happen whether it's the middle of July or not. 
right? And so what happens come July and August is that a lot of people will take a few weeks vacation, and that's fantastic. Uh, some people disappear for eight weeks. Um, the problem is that when people take their tithe with them, and that really puts the church in a difficult scenario uh, because we go two or three months with way less money coming in than should have come in, and then we start fall in a pretty tight spot. It's like real life. When you have less coming in than is going out, it makes you stressed, amen? And so we like to avoid that at the church. So we talk about this every year before summer hits, just a gentle reminder, you should give all summer, even if you're not here. Uh, we make it possible for you to do that. We offer e-transfers so that you can just email your tithe online. It's so easy. It is free and wonderful. Um, you can pop in anytime and pay at the debit machines. We have pre-authorized giving forms at the Hello Desk that you could, you could do this anytime. Fill one of those out just one time. You pick the frequency with which your tithe comes out and how much, and it just comes out no matter what, no matter where you are. We love that. That's a great thing. Uh, that's even helpful not just in the summer, but in like the winter when we've had our ninth snowstorm weekend in a row. Um, it's really good. And so lots of ways for you to give no matter where you happen to be in the planet at the time. Uh, is that okay? It's okay to talk about money in church. We're all big boys and girls. Uh, the overall picture of our financial health is good. We are a church, praise God, who is debt-free. We owe no bank money. Uh, we have no mortgage. It is a wonderful spot to be. Um, we also have a little over $100,000 in the bank in a project kind of bank account thing, and that's fantastic. Uh, and so uh, I want to talk about that just for a minute. We talked about the land that we owned, and we have made some decisions about that. We, we want to build on that someday. At last year's annual meeting, uh, we talked about how we have begun a relationship with EXP, which is kind of an architectural firm in the city. They're all over the place, but there's one in the city. And we went through a pre-design process where they kind of sat down with us and talked about what is this new building, you know, what do you dream about, what do you want in there, what might it look like on the land, where will your parking be, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we paid them to do a pre-design and we showed you pictures last year of what a building might look like on that land. It was fun, very early, kind of dream stage stuff. But we announced that and said, now it's time for a year of homework. And so we just completed a year of homework. Uh, we had geotechnical drilling done and topographic surveys and things that I don't understand, even though we've done them and paid for them. Still don't know what we did, but it happened and it's important. Um, and so we also cleared the land if you've driven past there and you've seen that. So it's, it was a lot of mostly unnoticeable, unglamorous stuff, but really important, vital stuff. And so that happened, and what we announced at our annual meeting a few weeks ago is that we've kind of began the next and final stage of the design process for our building. And uh, we, we've kind of entered into what is called the schematic design phase, which <laughs> sounds, uh, again, I have no idea what that means, but here's what it means. Um, we're really going to figure out what this building is going to look like, what we want in there. It, it'll determine where electrical systems go, mechanical systems go, what the airflow is going to be, traffic flow, parking, kids' ministry zones, what the sanctuary layout, like every detail of this building, they're really going to figure that out. And it'll give us a really accurate picture as to what we might be looking at for a cost. So that, that's kind of the big final stage. That will cost us about $75,000. If you're looking to build a new church, that is what you'll have to pay someone to design it for you. Uh, so we've got that money, praise God, and that is good news. So be praying this year 
as we have some pretty key discussions about our future, about our building, about what we're dreaming for that place, what that is going to look like, and when that all is going to happen. Um, that's pretty exciting stuff. That's a good time to say amen, yeah. Um, we actually finished our meeting by going to the land, and we had a time of prayer there, and uh, just a very powerful, cool thing where lots of people got to walk that land for the first ever time, and, and we just had a, a really powerful moment there. And um, so be praying for your church, be praying for these teams of people that'll be meeting and talking and figuring things out. Um, pray that we would be sensing God's leading throughout this entire process. Right? It's like what Moses said to God in the book of Exodus, if you're not coming with us, we're not leaving. That, that's how we feel about this piece of land. And this is not about building a building. This is about obeying God. And we believe firmly that he's led us to this point, to this land, to this timing. And we believe that he's going to continue to get us there. And so we just want to walk and step with him. Those are big, crazy dreams and big, crazy decisions. And uh, we believe that God has been with us and will continue to be with us Amen? Yeah. All right. We're still preaching. That, none of that counted. Um, so it's going to be a, a quicker one tonight, just to kind of make up for a little bit of that. Uh, but we're going to wrap up our Broken Buildings series today. And we've been talking about this series. We've been talking about uh, that the church is kind of like a broken building, which is fitting since we're in one right now. I mean, South Campus, you're in a broken theater. It's still broken, and Cineplex needs to get on that. But anyway, um, so you, you might not understand. I mean, you're looking around and you think, well, it doesn't look too bad. Uh, it's because we hide it well. And over the past few years, we have sunk a ton of money into new siding and to new roofing and uh, kids' ministry spaces and flooring and painting and uh, leaks that don't ever seem to get fixed, but we still pay to get them fixed. And all of the stuff, the older part of our building is on a stone foundation that apparently has holes in it. We're fine. We're fine. It won't fall down tonight, but um, we're in a bit of a broken building. That's not what we're talking about in the series, though. Right? We're, we're not talking about specific buildings. We call this church building our, our church. We call the new building the new church, but we all understand that the church is not a structure. It is people. It's us. It's the family, it's the body, that's who we are, which sounds nice, but I'll say this, that doesn't fix the brokenness. And just in the same way that a building can have weaknesses and faults and breaks, every single person in this room has weaknesses and some faults and some little breaks along the way. There are absolutely no perfect people. Uh, we've all got our flaws, and so if the, if the church is people and people aren't perfect, then there is no such thing as a perfect church. It's just us. This weekend, there will be, I didn't count, 50, 70, I don't know, Jesus worshiping churches in our city having services. And that's awesome. And we celebrate that. Uh, we believe that they're family. They're across different denominations, all across the theological spectrum. That's wonderful. Uh, but they're all a little bit broken too. Just like ours. And so if you ever get tempted to think, I'm going to travel Fredericton and go to every single church until I find the perfect one, good luck. You are not in one right now, but I don't think there is one out there. There are no perfect churches, but that does not mean we give up on the church. It does not mean that we get to back out of the church. The church is God's plan for the world. 
The church is, is God's plan to get his message out there for everyone to hear. Think about this. After Jesus resurrected himself, he appeared to the disciples one last time. And he looked at them and he goes, all authority and power in heaven and on earth is on me. Think about that phrase. You've heard it before probably, but think about it. All power and authority in heaven and on earth, was in God, in Jesus. He goes, I could literally do anything I want. I've got more ability and more capacity than any being has ever had. And you think, well, what's he going to do? And he looked at the disciples and he goes, so go. And he sent us out as the church. We're his plan. This is what he wanted to do. We're plan A, there is no plan B. So we've got to figure out this church thing because it's God's plan for the world. It's his plan to let other people know about Jesus. It's his plan for how we love the world. It's his plan for how we show them love and hope and grace and joy and peace. It's riding on imperfect people. That's pretty wild. And so that's us. We get to do this. We, we get to be a part of this. And so that's why we've kind of taken a whole series to talk about this. And we've talked about how the church is not like a museum but it is like a hospital. It's not like a stadium, but it is like a greenhouse. Uh, if none of those mean anything to you, you could go back online and watch those. Um, but the church itself is like a lot of things and kind of dislike a lot of things uh, because it's pretty hard to actually explain it and, and to really narrow it down and, and what it looks like because it's kind of a crazy thing. So we're going to wrap up today with one kind of final comparison to what the church is like and not really like. And we're going to talk about how the church is not really like a hotel. The church is not like a hotel. And so we're going to fly through this in the next few minutes. First reason why the church is not like a hotel. Hotels are designed to offer temporary comfort. Hotels are designed to offer temporary convenience and comfort. That's how they advertise themselves. Here, we have awesome pillows. We have awesome blankets, right? Why would you want to know that? Because if you have to be away from home, you might as well be comfortable while you're there. Oh, we have free breakfast. Why would you offer that? Because it's convenient. You don't have to go anywhere else. It's built right into your cost. Stay with us and have breakfast. This is why they have pools, because they want to get families to come here. And, and instead of being stuck in a room with four or five or six or however many kids you've got, you, you send them down to the pool and enjoy your night, right? It's, it's about comfort and convenience. They want your short stay to be a really good stay. And so when you call to book a hotel, what's one of the first questions they ask you? How many nights? Right? Because they know it's not going to be, they know it's not going to be 30. Right? A hotel never leads with, so will you be staying for like a six month stay? No. Nobody is. They're looking for one or two nights. This is temporary. This is a casual visit. Let's make it as comfortable and convenient as possible. Um, no one's looking for long term commitment at a hotel. The church is not like that. The church is not like that. How many of you understand that, that of the many things the church values, of the many things that a church prioritizes, comfort and convenience aren't really at the top? Now, it's not to say they're, they're bad. Uh, we want you to be comfortable at church. We want this to be an environment where you feel welcomed and loved. Um, we, we have AC because we think that's important. And we have heat in the winter because we think that's important. Uh, we offer coffee because that's important. All those things are about comfort, and, and maybe you come to this church because it's conveniently located, right? You don't go to church in Portland, Maine. Why? That wouldn't be convenient, right? Like at the end of the day, everyone's at a church to some degree, 
for comfort and convenience. Those are just not the things that we value the most at a church. Those aren't the things that are the highest priority. Um, And so when you go looking for a church, the, the main thing you should be looking for, and if you're a part of a church, it should be, is this a place I could invest in over the long term? Is this a group of people that I can see myself, uh, you know, doing life with for years? Could I be planted here and be a part of this community? You want to be committed to a church over the long term. And we value faithfulness. Uh, The author of Hebrews encouraged the church to do this. Chapter 10, verse 25. says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says, don't neglect meeting together. And, and notice how he says, as some people do, the church was not old by then. The church is still pretty new, and people are already saying, eh. I mean, it's not super important that we get together. It's not really a, you know, a super convenient thing. It's something you do when it's convenient. It's something to do when it's comfortable to fit into your calendar. That, that's when I'll go to church. Uh, listen, if... If you only go to church when it's convenient, you won't go to church very long. True? If that's how you make your decision about when to go to church or not, you probably don't have a long-term future in a church. You need to make it a commitment. You need to decide that church is a priority for you and your family. Um, There are dozens and dozens of other things vying for your time and for your attention and unless you choose to make it a priority, it'll probably just fall through the cracks, and, and we are prone to neglect things. Here's, here's what we we're, we're often do. We will prioritize urgency over importance because that's what life teaches us, right? We, we are, to some degree, procrastinators by nature, and it, it, we, we need that urgency to say, oh, I better go get that thing done. We need that sense of urgency that, that kind of decides where we're going and when we're going to certain places. And so we, we kind of live by the urgent. Church is never urgent, right? No one, I don't think, is going to wake up this weekend and think, I better get to church. Who knows if they're going to do it again? Right? No one's thinking that. You know that we're going to be here next week and the week after and the week after. And so people, that, that, just because it's not urgent doesn't mean it's not important. You need to choose to make it important. You need to choose to make it something that that is urgent for your family, that is a commitment for your family. This time together is so vital and so important for you and your family and for your faith and for this church. Hotels exist to provide temporary comfort and convenience. You should be excited to be a part of a church even when it's not convenient. You should be glad to go to a church even when sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable. Those aren't good enough reasons to bail. Don't don't neglect meeting together, the author of Hebrews said. It's important that we do this together. Second reason why hotels are not like churches and vice versa, hotels aren't really designed to promote community. A hotel does not care if you meet new people there and make friends. That's, That's not the design of a hotel. In fact, a hotel is designed for this to be a very private occasion. Um, whether it's a work trip or a family trip, your, your goal is not to go and meet a whole bunch of new strangers. Uh, in fact, the opposite is true. You feel really good when you go to a hotel and you look around and you're like, oh, there's no one here, right? As opposed to when you drive into the parking lot and you see three school buses and you're like, oh man, here we go. Did I ever choose poorly? 
Uh, this happened to our family this past March break. We decided to book a hotel for our kids, and uh, the weather ended up being brutal. It was like ice storm and all that kind of stuff. So we ended up taking a really long trip to Fredericton, and we booked a hotel in luxurious Bishop Drive. And uh, we got there. Kids were all excited. It's gonna, there's a pool. Breakfast is going to be great. And uh, we got up there, and it ended up being like the main hotel for a, a peewee hockey tournament. Mm, see? You know. And we got in there, and the place was packed. Went down to the pool. It was packed. Getting in line for breakfast the next day was chaos. They had to open banquet rooms and, like, push people in there. It was the worst it's a bad feeling to go into a hotel and see that it is absolutely slammed, correct? And you look around and you think, are you going to be my noisy neighbor? Are you going to be the kid jumping off like the bed above me or, or screaming down the hallway? Are you going to be all these people in line in front of me at breakfast? It's just, we just don't like a lot of people at a hotel. And it's even like some of the most social awkward interactions happen at a hotel like the elevator. Nothing will shut people up like an elevator trip. All right, people get on an elevator and they're just like, or looking at their phone or whatever it is. It's just, we're, just, we're not there to meet new people. And uh, so hotels, they don't really care about that. They're not designed so that you can make new friends. Uh, the church, however, complete opposite. We are 100% about community. We are all about the people. Without the people, we don't have a church Right? Like, this is why we do what we do. In fact, scripturally, we have been equipped and gifted to such a degree for the church that we are a part of and for the people around us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So God, God hasn't just designed you to be you for you. He has designed you to be like you for the people around you. That, that, that includes the people in your church, and some of you are gifted. We, we all got to experience an incredible time of worship today because those people are using their gifts. God gave them those gifts for the church and for the world. Side note, that was really good worship today. You know how sometimes worship ends up being the sermon for you? I think that was, that was me today. That was excellent. Uh, and so you, you are gifted for the people around you. Uh, next, next verse, Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So another reason that we do church together as a community is so that we can share one another's burdens. Every one of you walked in here today carrying something. You've got some amount of, of a load that you are carrying, some amount of stress or things on your mind, whatever it is, and, and you are not designed to carry that alone. But, but God has said, no, 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 we do this together as a family. And so... We, we get to share that together. We get to talk about that. There's a reason that, that we have a time of prayer every single weekend where you see requests and you see praises on that screen because we want you to know what's going on in the lives of your church with your people. We want to help carry those things and pray for those things and encourage those people along the way. We, this is all about community. Um, at a hotel, you get annoyed with your neighbors and you cannot wait for them to leave. Right? And when you see like, one of those families leaving, you're like, I hope that was my neighbor. Because that, that's going to really quiet things down. That's going to shorten the breakfast line. That's going to be four less snot-nosed kids in the pool, whatever it is. Right? You're happy to see them go. That should be the complete opposite of church. You should be so glad to see people here. Um, 
And, and, and even, and when I say people, I mean all people. Every church will have people that challenge you. Every church will have people that you find difficult. Every church will have people that, that will require a little bit of extra grace. But unlike at a hotel, it is to our benefit that we learn how to get along with them. Amen? It is our benefit that we learn how to build relationships with people that, that we struggle with and that we find challenging. It is good for us. It is good for us. We need to learn how to love one another, speak well of one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, um, especially for people who might drive you up the wall just a little bit. The church doesn't get stronger when you ignore everyone you find difficult. Right? Do you want a strong, healthy church? We got to get along with everyone. We get stronger when we learn how to navigate through our faith with everyone in a way that is loving and patient and kind. Avoiding difficult people, it won't necessarily make you happy, but there's a good chance it might leave you lonely. We've got to learn how to get along with one another, meet people, learn their names. We, we reincorporated a 60 or 70 second countdown so that you guys could go find people and learn people. Who goes to my church? Who can I know? Who can I meet? Um, and so it's so, so important that we do this. We talked about this a lot in our stadium sermon, so we don't need to linger here for a, a really long time. But in the same way that a hotel is not promoting community, the church should be all about promoting community. And, and we want nothing more for you guys than, than to grow in your faith with Jesus, but then to grow with one another. Way easier said than done. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot of effort, but it is absolutely worth it. The heart of the church is its people. Third reason, hotels and churches are very dissimilar. Uh, hotels are in competition with all the other hotels. Right? That's what they're... The, have you ever noticed that in a lot of cities, um, hotels are all in the same area, the same street the same couple streets, right? That's deliberate. It's competition. I'm going to move in. I'm going to be better than the guy beside me. We're, we're going to take business from those guys. We're going to be better than them. And so it's, it's all about competition, and they're all about outdoing one another, and kind of, it's just kind of this cutthroat business. They're literally in the business of business. Right? They're trying to make money. That's what they do. More people means more money. So they aim to have better amenities, TVs, cable, Wi-Fi, pools, breakfast, whatever it is, because they want to be better than the guy down the street. They want to have more people walking through their doors than they are walking through anyone else's doors. Uh, and so that's how we pick a hotel, right? You go online and you look at the room. First thing you do, what does the room look like? Is this nice? Have you ever, you ever discovered that they can make a room look okay online? But when you see it in real life, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we have had that experience, and it's awesome. Um, when we look for a hotel as a family, which is twice every nine years, we, we look for two things, a good swimming pool and free breakfast. If you don't have those two things, we're out. That is the reason why we're going to a hotel. And, and so, it, there, it's okay, there's no shame in that. I will go to the hotel that's offering me the absolute best of what I need. Um, I, I got storm stayed in Toronto a few months ago, uh, heading home from a conference, big ice storm, Pearson International shut down, and it was just this panic for everyone to find a hotel. 
where can we get the closest hotel? And so I thought, well, I know that there's one just upstairs. And so I, I got on an escalator and, and I went up there and it was a Sheraton. I was like, all right, yeah, do you guys have a room? And the lady smiled at, she smirked at me. It wasn't a smile. She smirked at me and she goes, it'll be $400. And I don't know what it was about my appearance that she led with the price. But she did and she wasn't wrong. And I left because I did not have $400. So I found a hotel online that was the most convenient and cheap and hopped on the airport shuttle and made it over there. And it was, it was fine, but there wasn't anything in it. And we had been traveling all day, and we were starving, and there was no restaurant in this hotel. And, and the whole city's got this massive snowstorm. We're not renting a car to go to a restaurant. We're like, what are we going to do? And we realized the hotel next door was advertising their restaurant. And it was very obviously placed and lit up, like they knew the hotel next door did not have one of those. And I didn't know if you had to be a guest to go to that hotel's restaurant or to even get through the doors, but I went and I ate their food and I have no regrets and I will always go back to that hotel if I ever get stuck in the airport again. Um, and that's what they want. It worked for them. That They're trying to lure people in with whatever they can offer that the other guy can't. It's all about competition. It's all about doing better than the other guy. It, it's a win for them when one of the hotels near them goes up for sale. Truth, that is the exact opposite for churches. And I've said this line before, you'll hear me say it again, churches are not in competition, they're in cahoots. We are in this thing together. We, this is family. The other 50, 70, whatever churches that are going to worship Jesus this weekend, they're family. We want to see them do well. We want to see them fill up. We want to see them have spirit-led services. We want to see them have all kinds of people get saved. We want to see them baptizing people like crazy. We want to see them have to launch new services and new service times. Because it's not just about this church. It's about the church. We're doing this thing together. We are not threatened when another church in our city is doing well. We want to celebrate that. We want that to be something that, that excites us. We don't need to be the biggest and best church in Fredericton. I don't even know what that means. All I want in Fredericton is for the church to get big. And that's what we should all want. Um, at the end of the day, every church in our city could fill up five times over this weekend, and there would still be tens of thousands of people in Fredericton who don't know Jesus. So it's not that we don't want churches out there to fill up. We need them to fill up. We're not in competition. It needs to be cooperation. That's why we took a, a massive chunk of time last year and we actually prayed by name for most of the churches in our city that we could think of. We'll probably do it again sometime. We think that's important. We think it matters. We don't celebrate when a church down the street goes up for sale. That is not a win for the church. We're here for the body, for the family, for the whole picture. And so I'll say this, get plugged into a church. Find a church that you can be committed to, that's family. Don't, don't jump around from church to church to church like it's a hotel. Looking, oh, well, they got a better restaurant. They got a better pool. They got a better restaurant and a cooler pool or whatever it is. Um, now, I will say it's important for you to find a church that is home. It's important for you to find a church that you can be committed to, that's going to be the best for your family, that's going to promote growth. All of those things matter, and you should find a church that's right for you, right? But don't make it a habit just to float all over the place. 
Because what happens when you do that is you actually don't get to build strong relationships because you don't ever get to really know anyone. You don't get to utilize the gift God gave you for the church because you're not there long enough to utilize it. You, you, you don't actually get to shoulder anyone else's burdens because you didn't stick around long enough to find out what they were. So yeah, I, I'm okay with people floating around till they find a spot, but once you find a spot, dig in and be committed and do what's required of you there. So there's always gonna be some movement all over the place. We've, we've had people leave our church. God bless them. I hope it's been awesome for them. We've had people come to our church from other churches. I hope it's great. All I want is for the church to grow. That's what we're all about. That is what we are after. It's not about a consumer-driven mindset. We want to see all the other churches in our city fill up to overflowing. So, hotels are designed to provide temporary comfort and convenience, not the church. We're here to commit even when it gets hard. Hotels are not concerned about community, but the church is. And we need to choose to love one another. And hotels are in competition with one another, but the church is not. And we need to make the decision to cooperate and love one another as a body. The church is not perfect. It never will be, but it's what God decided to do. It's his plan for the world to hear about Jesus. It's our job to go do the work that is required of us. We, we're broken people. We've got faults, we've got issues, we've got things we're carrying, and yet we have found forgiveness and freedom and hope in Jesus Christ. And we want to make sure that everyone else out there can find the same thing. And so may the people who end up in our little corner of the kingdom find Jesus at Crosspoint. May the people who find our little corner of the kingdom find Jesus here, find relationships here, find a way to be healthy and to grow in their faith here. May they find a community that is loving, that is kind, that is peaceful, that is joyful and that is willing to do what is required of them to see the church grow in Jesus' name. Even if we're not perfect, because we're not, but here we are, ready to do whatever it is God asks us to do. Amen? Let me take a minute, and uh, I want to just pray for our church and the church today. God, you are so good, and we know that you are wise. We know that you are unbelievably, divinely wise, and yet I still wonder sometimes what you were thinking when you gave us the responsibility of being the church. But you did, and you have filled us with your spirit. You have told us to go. You have told us to love our neighbor like ourselves. You have told us to make disciples. And so, God, I pray right now that for our church here at Crosspoint, that this upcoming year would be a year of pivotal moments with the spirit, where we would hear from you, rely on you, depend on you, and go where you call us to go, that you'd love how you tell us to love. God, I pray it would be a year where people get to build relationships that are healthy and good and helpful and strong. I pray this is a year where people make authentic connections, where they grow in their faith, where they feel discipled, where they're using their gifts, where they're praying for one another. We just want to have a year that is so spirit-led and spirit-filled. And God, we pray for the church in Fredericton. And we pray the same thing over all of their churches. For a year of, of health, of growth, of salvations and baptisms, of miracles, of families being restored, relationships being mended, addictions being broken, 
God, we pray for miracles across our city. May you plant seeds of revival that we'll see just kind of break forth in these coming days. It's not just lip service, we believe it. And I pray that we would be willing to do our part when the time comes. You're good, we trust you, we love you, and we ask your anointing and blessing over our church, even though it's not perfect. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and the church said together, 